Our New Testament lesson this morning is going to come from the book of 2 Thessalonians. We'll be reading from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they have received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day, that we may not burden any of you. This is not because we do not have the right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone willing to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, as you grow older, there are certain check marks you hit to show that you're growing older, that you're just becoming an older person. Nothing wrong with that. It just, it just happens. Certain check marks. You notice when you comb your hair, a little bit more gray can be found. You wake up in the morning and your back hurts for no reason. Perhaps you just slept too long. I don't even know what sleeping too long means, but I found out in my own life sleeping too long does make your back hurt for no real reason. But for men, there is a check mark that every man hits without a doubt. I'm in my mid-40s, I'm 46, and I now know that I'm growing older because I've just hit this check mark really strongly the last few years. You know you're growing old when as a man, you just can't wait to watch documentaries about World War II. You just can't help it. You want to watch World War II documentaries. That's how you know you're getting old. It just, it just flows naturally. This weekend, my wife, she was out of town on a girls' weekend, so which is me and Thomas. So we watched TV together, we ate, we do different things, and then... When it's time to go to bed, he'd go to his room and go to bed, and I'd go to my room, and I'd find myself on my phone on YouTube, for some bizarre reason, Googling the Battle of the Bulge. Just want to learn more about it. I wouldn't live through that. I'm not, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I just want to watch World War II documentaries now in my free time. That's what happens when you get older. You just want to, just want to do it. So I love reading that and watching those, learning more. My favorite person from World War II. You've heard me talk about him before. I just love Churchill. Churchill is one of my heroes. He's one of my favorite folks in in history. My two probably favorite people the last couple hundred years love Lincoln, love reading about the way he led and held the nation together. But I, I I love Churchill. And the reason why I love Churchill so much is because there was that time, there was that time when, first time, it was Britain... Against everybody. And my daughter goes to Southern Miss, and Southern Miss has this new slogan where it's us against all of y'all. You know, that, that, and I, I want one of those T-shirts. I just love that. Well, that's kind of how, how Great Britain was for a time during World War II. It was Great Britain against all y'all. France had fallen. Uh, R- Russia and, and Nazi Germany were in a peace moment there. The United States had not yet entered the war. It was literally Great Britain as the only people actively fighting against Nazi Germany. 
And it's so neat. You know, you can go on YouTube and you can watch and listen to some of Churchill's old speeches, the actual audio of them. You know, there's some of the coolest stuff out there. You can actually go on YouTube and listen to C.S. Lewis's original recordings of Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity was actually a collection of essays that he wrote for the BBC during World War II. You can go and listen to them on YouTube. But you can go and listen to some of Churchill's speeches during World War II. And there's, there's, there, there's that one speech I love so much. Right when it was at the point when the, the UK was close to surrendering. Right when they were at that point when it was them and, and, and there was nothing more they can do. And Churchill gives that famous speech. He says, we will fight them on the beaches. We will fight them in the landing spots. We will fight them. And we will never give up. We will never surrender. And if the time comes when our governments go into exile to the new world, then the new world will come forth for for the redemption of the old. It was, oh man, Churchill just had a way with the English language. But he was able to summon the people not to give up. In a time when they had no allies, when they had no one else fighting, it was just them. Churchill was able to find the words to, to challenge the people and pull the people and cause the people not to give up. That's an important thing, y'all. Because it isn't just Great Britain. Sometimes we all feel like giving up, don't we? Sometimes life gets hard. Sometimes life becomes heavy laden with so many different challenges. There's some of you right now thinking about going to work tomorrow and turning in that resignation letter said, I'm just done with you people. Sometimes it's hard to keep going. Some of us in our life right now have relationships that are hanging on by a thread. It's tempting, it's temp- very tempting, very tempting to give up. Some of us right now, we may feel like our very faith is just barely holding on, and that our very faith is just clinging, and we want to give up. We want to give in. Yeah, that's reality. We can give the church answer and say, well, I've never felt like that. We can give the real answer and say, yeah, I felt like that before. (laughs) I may be feeling like that right now. I think that's why Paul's words to us today are so important, because Paul talks about something happening in the Thessalonian church, and I think gives us some advice and gives us some wisdom for the times in our life when we want to give up. And and I think there's some really beautiful things in this passage today that can help us with that. First, let's let's unpack a little bit what's happening here. You've you've probably heard this passage before, and you've heard, I know you've definitely heard a line from this passage before. You may have heard this line used against you by your parents, as your parents, my parents use it against me. Those who do not work do not eat. If you don't do your chores, you're going to bed hungry. Those who do not work do not eat. Let me unpack what's happening in this passage and what that verse is talking about. Okay. We talked about this Wednesday night in my Bible study. In that day, in Paul's day, being a Christian could really cost you something. Being a Christian could literally cost you your life. Nero would capture Christians. He would use Christians as human torches in his garden. 
Being a Christian could literally be you signing your death warrant. That's why it, there, there was no walking down the aisle and joining a church in those days. To join the church was a three-year process. In the last 40 days of that process, before you were baptized on Easter Sunday, was a time of intense fasting and prayer to make sure you knew what you're getting into. Because you're joining the church could literally be your death. So the church wanted to make sure that you knew, people knew what they were getting into. That they understood what the commitment to Christ may cost them. So it was a big deal to join the church. And in that culture, that Roman culture, particularly in the Roman and Greek culture, to get a job usually meant you had to be part of a trade guild. And that, those trade guilds typically were... Uh, had uh, had a pagan god uh, sponsorships, if you will. They were dedicated to pagan gods. So in other words, that in much of that culture, to get a job meant that you had to be part of a pagan trade guild, and that meant you had to participate in the worship of a pagan god. And like, one of the top ten is thou shalt not worship idols, isn't it? So to be a Christian meant that you may not be able to get a job. You may not be able to eat. You may not be able to work. You may not be able to earn money. Being a Christian may literally keep you from making a living. That's how much it could cost you to be a Christian. It may cost you your life. It doesn't cost you your life. It may cost you your income. So in this world of this day, we see this played out in Acts chapter 2. In that world, those Christians who could work, those Christians who could have a job, they would work. They would work. They would make money. And they would bring that money back to the church. And the church would use that money to feed the poor amongst them. Remember in Acts chapter 6 where they were upset that the widows and orphans were not getting their proper share of the food? That's what it was about. The money that the early church would make, that was then taken together and then distributed to all in the church who had need, Acts, Acts chapter 2, 40 and following, explains this very well. We see it, how the church would take care of their own, as Kate talked about in the children's moment. We see that. I have a friend of mine who owns a, um, a shop in Bethlehem. Uh, yeah, that Bethlehem. And that, and that shop is made up of Christian artisans who sell olive wood products. When I go to the Holy Land, that's the only place I buy from. Because those artisans there, they take the money that's made in that store and they use that money to take care of the Christian widows and orphans in Bethlehem. They're literally using their store in the same way the early church took care of each other. So that's what happened. But here's the deal. It's the year 2022, almost 2023. We're waiting for Christ's return, aren't we? We're still waiting. We're waiting 2,000 years after the ascension for his return. We wait for it. We long for it. We're waiting. In Advent, we're going to talk about what it means to wait. Well, on that day, they, some of them got tired of waiting, and they said, well, he's going to come back today. So if Jesus is going to come back today, why am I working? Like, if he's going to come back later today, why am I going to put forth all this work? If he's coming back today, it's like when I was in college, I used to pray, Lord, when I had a big test, one of those advanced chemistry classes, Lord, either come before I start studying or come after the test. Don't make me do all this work for nothing, okay? That's why I eat my dessert first. The Lord may return, and I'm not leaving my dessert on my plate, okay? They were waiting for his return. 
But some of the folks began to say, well, he's promised to come back soon, so why should I work? Why should I do anything? Why should I pull my weight? Why should I do my fair share? Why should I do anything at all if the Lord is going to return? So they stopped working. So now what you see happening here in Thessalonica is the Christians who could work, the Christians who could help others, the Christians who could be doing good, the Christians who could be caring and could be doing their part for the kingdom, they had stopped. And Paul said, guys, it takes all of us. It takes all of us to do this this thing together as a church. And every one of us has to do something. So if you're not doing your part in this, then you don't have a part in it. So Paul here is talking to them about Christians who were tempted to not do their work. Paul today here says this. He says, uh, he, he says these great words here. He says, do not grow weary in doing good. Turn the other cheek's hard, isn't it? Loving your enemies is hard, isn't it? I don't want to do it. And sometimes it's easier not to, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's easier to hate your enemies than to love them. It's easier to not turn your cheek. This doing the right thing thing is hard. And sometimes we can grow weary from it. Sometimes it's easier not to. Sometimes we're just tired. We're just tired of it. We don't want to do it because, Lord, I'm doing the right thing. I'm trying. I'm trying to be good, and life's not getting any better. I'm trying to do right, and these relationships are improving. I'm trying to do the right thing, and my financial situation's not getting any better. I'm trying to do right, and life is still hard, so why am I trying? <laughs> why am I even trying? If I'm doing everything right, or trying to at least, it's not getting better, then why am I doing this again? Why am I even trying if it's not going to make a difference? Why am I even trying if it's not going to do any good? Just give up. I think that's why a lot of people give up, give up on faith. Because they try the faith thing, and life's still hard. They try the faith thing, and things don't change sometimes. They try, try the faith thing, and work is still hard, and family's still hard, and life is still hard, and folks are still sick, and there's still all these things. So why even try? So Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good, but that's hard to do, y'all. That's hard to do. But Paul tells us a key here. And Paul tells us how we do that very thing. He says in verse 13, sorry, verse 12. Now certain persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their living. How do we not grow tired? How do we not grow weary? We remember we do it in the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember why we do it, and we remember how we do it. We remember what our motivation is. Y'all, 
if you're being faithful, if you're serving God this morning because you have to, because it's what your mom and daddy told you you had to do, or because it's what good people do, or because it's what your expectations are, or it's what you feel like you have to do. If your motivation this morning is simply obligation, in time you'll grow weary. In time you'll quit. You will. If you're only serving because you have to, if you're only serving because of what folks think about you, or if you're only serving because you feel like it's the expectations others have, then in time, you will grow weary. If your motivation this morning is obligation and have to, then we're going to be right where the Thessalonians are, and we are going to be weary for doing good. But if our motivation is a thankful heart, if our motivation is to return thanks for what God has done for us, if our motivation is to give God praise and glory and honor, then we will not grow weary for doing good because we're not doing good because we have to. We're not doing the right thing because we have to. We're not giving because we have to. We're not serving because we have to. We're serving because we get to. We serve out of a thankful heart and out of a response to God's goodness. Our service is not an obligation that we have to give. Our service is a gift that we get to give. I think it's something Bishop Swanson said one time that stuck with me. There's two kinds of preachers. Those who have to preach on Sunday and those who get to preach on Sunday. And y'all, I get to preach on Sunday. I joke, y'all don't pay me for this. Y'all pay me for charge conference. This is free. I like this part of the job. This part's fun. Why do we serve? Do we serve because we have to? Or do we serve because we get to? Do we give because we have to? Or do we give because we get to? Are you going to go buy a bunch of stuffing for Madcap because you have to and Andy's going to talk bad about you if you don't? Or do you look around your cupboard and see more than enough to eat? And think about all those folk in Madison who don't have enough to eat. And you say, thank God for your blessings. And you get to. Do you, do you teach children's church, Sunday school, or VBS? Because you have to, and the preacher won't stop fussing about it. Or do you teach it? Because you get the honor of teaching these little ones how much Jesus loves them. Do not grow weary in doing good. And the way we do not grow weary in doing good is to be thankful. Is to be thankful for what God has given us. And we realize just how much God has given us. We do not live our life as an obligation that we have to give to God, but we live our life as an act of worship that we get to give to God. Today, may we realize just how much our God has given us, and may we respond not out of obligation, 
but may we respond out of thanksgiving for all that God has done for us. Let's pray.